Turn to someone next to you and say, are you ready? I'm going to take all your money. So I want you to take the guy's money next to you and give like you've always wanted to give. You've heard that so many times before, right? It's a nice little thing to say. And many pastors use that to just get you a little relaxed. But the truth is, we all want to give. The truth is, if you love God and God's in your heart, there's something about that that stirs inside of you to want to give. But sometimes you are so bound by a budget, by the economy, and by things around you that you get a little scared or you get a little like, I wish I had, but I don't have anything. Right? We've all been there. It's amazing if you look in the Word when you find Cain and Abel. It's right in the beginning. Right in the beginning. Man itself has a desire to give something to God. Isn't that interesting? Nobody told them. They didn't come to Spirit Word House to come and hear that they've got to give something. They didn't go down to Cape Town to KLC to hear. Something inside of them moved that they wanted to bring something to God. But it's interesting. One of the offerings is accepted and respected and one is not. Ouch. Amen. Have you ever wondered about that one? I've wondered about that a few times. Like, why did God not just go like, hey, I'm so thankful that you brought something. <laughs> but God said, no, I don't like what you just brought. Okay. I, don't, I don't respect that. Because it wasn't about what he brought. It was about the heart he brought it with. That's my take on it. You see, he brought something that he really worked hard for. He toiled the earth. He, he put a lot of effort into bringing something out of the earth. When you look at the other hand, Abel just brought a lamb. He didn't do anything to get that lamb. The lamb was just produced by other sheep. We don't have to go into that. He just made sure that they were all okay. The one worked hard for it and the other one just looked after it. Starting to drop something in your spirit, right? So when Cain brought that, and he brought that before God, and he put that down, he said like, hey, but Lord, look how impressive this is that I've brought to you. You know, growing up in church, I touched on it a little bit when I, when I spoke. I've seen so many times people come with that, that attitude that I want to bring something to God, and I'm so impressed by what I just dropped here. You didn't say thank you that I gave you a million? You didn't say thank you that I gave you so much? Didn't God see what I brought? You see, God doesn't look at what you brought. He looks at your heart. He looks at your heart. Now, we quickly go with me to Hebrews 4, and you'll see where I'm going with this today. I'm going to be quick. Hebrews 4, powerful chapter. And you've got some swords up there, whole context. Spirit word, the sword, the word. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful, mm. sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and of the, um, the discerner, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does the word do? It goes right into where the heart is at. Hmm. Right into saying, hey, Where's your heart at with what you're doing right now? See, when the word gets to that, it shows you quickly, hey, what I've just brought was not from me, was from a place of trying to get something instead of just giving something. You know, we do sow to get something. No farmer goes out into the field, word says the same thing, and sows with just like, mm, let's see what's going to happen. He sows to get a harvest, Right? Have you ever sowed something? Have you ever put something in this world? It's like you're waiting for something to come up. Same context. But the, what's happened to many of us as children of God is it's always just about the harvest and not about the one we're sowing to. So it's like kind of this little bit of a, a thing that we, we, we want to try and give something to get something. Let's see what works out. I give 10 bucks, I'm going to get 100 bucks. Boom. Just like a little scratch in win. <laughs> Spiritual lotto. Right, that one just went down into the millifelt. We didn't want to hear that, right? We, 
sometimes we act that way with God. Lord, I, I gave my tithe. I've been giving so long. Why am I not seeing anything? Have you ever been there? I'm going to be honest. I've been there. Like, Lord, I've been sowing so much. And why am I not seeing anything come up in my life? And then I realized God said, why if I, Sean, I gave you life. <laughs> I gave you my love. <laughs> I am with you always. I give you peace above all understanding. If that is all, will you be satisfied? And then we forget what God did two weeks ago because we suddenly don't see anything right now. Just by show of hands, how many of you have seen God's hand in miracles and finances in your life? For a moment, just keep your hand up. Everybody just look around. Is God alive? Is He doing stuff? Amen. So what he's doing right now, even though you might not see in this moment, he's doing in somebody else's life. And God's been speaking to me about a context of body, who we are as a body, to celebrate whether the, I don't see it in my life, what God's doing in your life. So you pull in with your brand new car, or you going on holiday, and I haven't seen a holiday in five years, I'm not going to go, Lord, why am I not going? See your pictures on Facebook in Mauritius. I'm like, So, why can't I? What is wrong? Why can't I just celebrate that? Why can't I go, wow, Lord, bless them. May they have a fabulous time. May they experience grace. And not just do the prayer, Lord, may it rain all week long while they are there. <laughs> may that car break down with them, Lord. May it always have trouble. May they have punches everywhere they go. Now, come on, that's not the heart of the Father. That's not the heart of the body. Now, here's the thing, and I want to end with this, is you are not actually sowing money. You are sowing something so much more. You know what you're sowing? You know, God says, be faithful. The word says, be faithful in unrighteous mammon. I will give you greater riches, right? Faithfulness. So what is he actually saying? You are sowing faithfulness. You're not sowing money. You're sowing faithfulness. See, there's something about this. Sean, sure, it's, it's got nothing to do with what the money is in your hand. Because money is different right across the world. Spandula. That money is different everywhere across the world. But what I'm sowing is faithfulness. What I'm sowing is thankfulness. What I'm sowing is commitment. Every single time I come down, I put money in a basket, or I swipe my card, or I put that send on that EFT. Whatever that is, is I'm sowing something greater than what is in my hand. as faithfulness, thankfulness, love, goodness. Every bit of that is sowing that into it. And that is why there's great riches. Because if you can be faithful, what will you see in your life? See, the problem is we're, and I'm tr trying to be very quick now. Whew. I've seen too many Christians across this time period of being in ministry and growing up in ministry that are moved by their emotions instead of by faith. So when, when things aren't going my way, I stop giving. I've stopped being faithful. Because, oh, you know, Petrus, like he, that chilly thing just upset me so, just didn't like it's just too much for me and then swamp so gave my tithe this month are you that emotional like if god operated that way what would he do with you come lighty come by no that's not how he operates because he gives you something in your hand that every single month it's not about the money it's about the very context of that you are faithful it's about the heart if it's about the heart you will always have harvest in your life you'll never be without you'll never be without you see the moment giving becomes something that's just out of your back pocket just like it doesn't touch it doesn't touch your heart you've stopped giving i want to say that again it's out right the moment it doesn't touch your heart, you've stopped giving. If it touches your heart what you give, and it matters, then you know it's truly giving. When you have two chickens and you give one chicken away, that's a big give. And so many times we just give the eggs away. It doesn't touch us. When God's actually calling you to give the chicken. Are you hearing what I'm going? 
So today, when you come to soul, give something that means something. You know, many times we, we go to our cupboard and we look at it and we're like, what can I give away? I'll give this shirt away. You wouldn't give that to your dog, but you're going to give that to someone thinking you've blessed them. <laughs> you, you bring, you know, I've been in church, they bring the bag, they drop, say, Pastor, give this to the people. I open that bag, so I will give this to nobody. Unless it's gotten. We're not talking about what they put in that bag. The smell, they don't even have the decency to wash it, but you need to give it away. That's not giving from your heart. It's not giving from your heart. If it doesn't matter, don't give it. If it doesn't move you, don't give it, because then it's not giving. It's got to cost. It's got to be some, Not from the cost. You hear wrong? It's got to move the heart. That's it. And then when it's sown in faithfulness every single month, every single part, do you understand what you're giving? You're sowing faithfulness to reap what? Faithfulness. So grab your seed, grab your tithe, grab your card, grab whatever you want. I want to pray over you quickly before you come. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for a generation that is generous. That the generosity of this generation will succeed and exceed every single thing we have seen up to this very moment. I thank you for this house. I thank you for what you're doing in this house and what this house will mean in the future to generations. It will be a house that sows more than it's ever done before. Give than it's ever given before. Living in a place of victorious abundance. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for a, a church, a body. That operates in the heart of the Father. I bless every seed. I pray harvest over them today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Bless you. Come and so. Thank you. No, he's a good God. He's a good God. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, a cheerful giver is someone who has purposed in his heart that what he is about to give is unto God. And that what he is sowing into is going to bring a harvest. Here's where he touches on this. He says, what you have purposed in your heart it's not out of somebody forcing you to give it's from the very place of bringing thanks unto god see when i've made a decision that what i give is out of a place of thanks i'll always have a reward in my life i'll always have i shared this testimony where uh, it was actually a, a lady at one a crusade that came out and she, she shared this testimony about what happened to her and her children is that she hadn't had food for them for four days every night they had get lunch at school but when they get home there's no food and she would put the pot on and it would boil all the time and then it would make them the sound would make them fall asleep and then they would go without food so she hadn't eaten for four days the children eat lunch but had no meals at night and by the fourth day she was really desperate so we're living in the backyard of of somebody else and she remembered that the lady had peeled, she had peeled some potatoes for the lady and the skins were in the dustbin. So she decided, and I believe it's the spirit that stirred with her, and she, she said, God led her to it. She took the peels, she went back to the pot, she, put, she, she rinsed them, put them in the pot and started cooking and prayed over them. And when she opened the lid, it was full of food. Hmm. It was full of Food. You see, and at that moment, the Spirit started speaking to her and said, just put something in the pot 
I'll do the rest. Just put something in. Just get something there. I'll do the rest. Where do we hear that story? The boy with the little lunch. I'm saying it's little. For the boy, it was probably much. But for the crowds of thousands, that was little. All that Jesus wanted them to do is say, just give me something to work with. Just give me something to work with. Even if it's a little lunch. You know, the boy came with a little sardine and he got a snook. He came with a loaf. Oh, no loaf. He came with a slice. He got a loaf. You see, he's new. They're like, what can Jesus do with my little lunch? You know, that's a Jewish boy, right? He saw an opportunity. That little Jewish boy saw an opportunity. He's like, <laughs> I could get a bigger lunch with Jesus. Like, I try. that's a cheerful giver. That's the one that sees that God is a provider, that God is our source, that God is our supply. That God always takes care of you. You know, when we stand up here and talk about finances, you've got to understand this family doesn't come from a place of ultimate provision, not of abundance always in our life. We went through severe times of poverty. But throughout those years, we kept holding on to one thing. Just put a seed in the ground and God will do the rest. Always plant a seed. I grew up with that. No matter if we had nothing, we found something to give. Because when we give, we always receive. Always. Now, I joked about this in the first service. But you know, like growing up as a kid, many times, well, most of the time, I didn't get the nice tracksuit. I got the homemade tracksuit. You know, other kids had Doc Martens. I had Pip Martens. You know, Doc Martens were the in-shoe when I was a kid. I had the pep one. It lasted one week. Then you had to put the glue on, and then you walked really slow, because if you, if you move too fast, the sole stays behind. <laughs> so you, you kind of like hide the label inside, because you don't want them to see that <laughs> that ain't the real stuff. <laughs> you walk really slow. <laughs> it's not because you're cool, it's just because you're scared. <laughs> Uh, you know, you rock that homemade tracksuit that your mom made. You know, it kind of looks the same, but it doesn't look at all like the real thing. Like Itkers. I still don't like to buy Itkers because all I remember is those moments when I saw my life flash past me at a red hanger sale. When you're standing squashed up against the door and you, and you kind of just get in, you run for that one short. Like, yes, mommy, I got a short for the year. <laughs> like, don't you I can eat short. I don't know. That's why, like, somebody says, Red Hanger Sale, I run. They talk about Black Friday. I'm like, yeah, I, I remember those days. And I, Choo! It was pitch black in front of me. Like, I just saw my life flash in front of me, man. And it was a short life because I was still young. <laughs> like, I knew. No, no, no. So when we talk about this, and we teach this, we teach you something we've lived. We teach you something that we trust God. Even if my mom burnt the food and it was our last food, we still made a joke about it. When dad took our hands and said, Lord, let us not see what we are seeing. <laughs> you know, in that, in that moment... That charcoal rice and little piece of meat that was lying there is gone. <laughs> it was a sacrifice unto God. <laughs> so I want you to know today that this family, that are head of this ministry, that believe in this, when we teach upon these things, and when you come and you tell me, Sean, it's going tough, I know what you're talking about because I've been there. I know how it is to run a few jobs just to get by. I was at Bible school. I ran two to three jobs on the weekends. Even while I was at Bible school, I was a barman. How's that for, for contradiction, right? So what do you do, Sean? Now I'm studying. What are you studying? Theology. <laughs> Not of beer of Jesus. But to put yourself through that, two, Bible, like two jobs during the day, and at night went to Bible school. I studied at night put myself through it. 
because my parents couldn't. They were just barely surviving. So when you talk and you come and say, Sean, it's going tough. I don't have a job. I know what you're talking about. My dad was a security guard walking around between trains because there was no jobs while we were at home. My mom made fudge. One night she burnt her hands with the fudge. <laughs> I was racing her to the hospital to get her there with her hands burnt. I know what it is to have nothing. And I know what it is to have something. But I know this one thing. God is good. Come on. God is good. He's all the time. Come on, I feel something in the spirit just broke over people. Your finances is important to God, but it's not your God. God is your source. God is your supply. He will take care of you. Your money matters to Him, but it's not your God. Amen? So I want you to do this this morning. I want you to stand with me. Take your wallet. Take your, your card. Take whatever you're doing, whatever you're giving. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to ask you in this way, if you, if you need a financial miracle this month, then raise your hand. Do you see? We all are in need this morning for God to do something supernatural and far above that we could ever imagine. You are not alone. But God called you into a body that can stand together and pray. You know, your prayers are powerful when you're alone at home, but it's much more powerful when we are in a group like this, when we come together as a body and we can pray for each other, and we can believe for each other, and we can declare over each other, and we can shift things in the Spirit, and we can say, enough! Enough with the enemy having a hold on us. God has given us word. He's given you word. You are blessed. And He is a good Father. So this morning, we're going to believe that when we put the peels in the pot, we get a meal. When we sow into the soil, we get a harvest. There is something right now that's shifting in His body. God said over this ministry, over you, that I'm about to make you Joseph to the nations. Have I got some Josephs in the house this morning? Come on. We are Josephs to the nations. You see, when Joseph was a slave, he was successful. Yeah, I'm spitting again. I've just been spitting the whole day. Like I'm so in the spirit this morning. Holy spit's flying this morning. Those that are watching, you're not getting it. It's these poor people here. Yeah. We just say, it's enough. My God is good. All the time. All the time. Father, I thank you that though the giant's been shouting the whole 2019, I know that I come this morning in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Ancient of Days, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And this morning we draw a line in the sand and we say, Goliath, shut up. Because we are speaking now. Our Father is good. Our Father is good. Our Father is good. Our Father is good. And we are blessed. Thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Woo! Amen. Okay. Okay, turn with me to Mark 10. Ah, uh, Wow. Interesting, um, this story appears in Matthew 19 from verse 16, Mark 10 from verse 17, Luke 18 from verse 18. Very interesting, the Matthew and the Mark one have 14 verses. Both stories are 14 verses long, and the Luke story has got 12 verses, so there's two verses out of the story in Luke. It's kind of interesting, just for those of you who are into numbers. Amen. So are you ready this morning? Look at somebody and say, I need to be intentional. This word will not leave me alone. It's like I am, I am constantly saying this wherever I preach. It's time for us to be intentional in everything we do. 
Now, let me explain this to you quickly. Um, when you learn to drive, you were very conscious of where you were, what gear the car was in, whether the handbrake was on or not, whether you were looking in the rearview mirror. How many of you remember those days? And then you'd get onto, the, you'd get onto a rise and you'd, you'd start to like panic that you're going to stall the car because it's a new thing. And so you were very conscious of your driving. Amen? Hello, are you here? How many of you have driven from Cape Town to Strand and when you got home, you realized that no time at all, you were very conscious of your driving. It was all an unconscious move of everything that you used to doing. And sometimes it's kind of shocking to realize that we drive from point A to point B without being intentionally conscious of what we're doing. It's a good example of people in church. We come to church, we get into habit, we sing our songs, we raise our hands, we greet each other, and it can become a very unconscious thing. I'm appealing to you to start looking at the way you do things, especially your relationship with Jesus, as an intentional one. May I use um, my, my wife and I for a moment? Um, du du during the course of this year, we've had many... Um, losses, and we've had, and, and I realized that I do things as I leave home very unconsciously. Not you, just me. I'll go to her and I'll just say to her, cheers, see you just now. Lately I've been greeting her intentionally. Because future is guaranteed to no one. So I've been intimately kissing her, saying, see you just now, have a nice day. We can become intentional in a lot of things and discover that when we do, it brings reality back into what we're doing. I believe the church needs to become intentional. Intentional when we go into a building that we're taking him with us. Intentional when we go to pray for somebody that we want to see them healed. We're not just praying for consciousness' sake. Intentional of reading the Word and knowing that the Word can change us. Amen? I think we need really to look at this Word and constantly meditate on it and say, am I intentional? The, 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 the testimony that I want to bring is that testimony that we did with Adrian's Church, the movement, we went out one Sunday after church and we said, let's go to a coffee shop and be intentional in our going to change the atmosphere. I said, let's go in there, not wearing a Bible on our sleeve. Let's go in there supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural, conscious but unconscious, just operating in God. But let's go there with a goal. So we went in and we took one large table, probably as long as the front row here, and we sat down and we just joked and laughed and were just normal people, Christian people, having a good time, testifying to one another. When we got up to leave, Lungi went over to the girl that had been serving us and God impressed on her to give her a word. When she got to the girl, the girl at some stage, I don't know whether it was before or after, stopped Lungi and said, you know, when you guys came in, the whole atmosphere changed. She said, and I said to myself, one day I want to have the joy that those people have. That's what I'm talking about, about being intentional. God will honor that intentionalness in your life. Okay, so we're talking about money and we're talking about giving. And so let's go to Mark 10, verse 17, and just run through it quickly as fast as we possibly can. I'm, I'm, I don't really want to read the whole story, but let's read some of it quickly. And when they had gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Just remember this is before the cross, so the law is in place, the Old Testament is still in place, because it's until... The death of the testator, the New Testament cannot be 
You know, you know what that means? You, how many of you have ever inherited anything? You didn't inherit the, that was written on the will until granny died. Okay? So we didn't inherit what was written for Jesus to give us until Jesus died. So the New Testament starts after the cross. Everything else is Jesus' awesome example of living in the Father. And thank God he did that. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? Uh, where was I? Okay. And Jesus said to him, Why callest me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. So the commandments are still in place because Jesus has not yet died and fulfilled all of that. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, beholding him loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Say one thing. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So what Jesus just did was he quoted the ultimate law to him. The law is a schoolmaster to grace. The ultimate law is, Hear, O Israel, thy God is one. Thou thou love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. In the law, if you miss one iota of the law, you don't have to break uh, the whole law to have broken the law. You break the law by breaking one law. Then the whole law is broken. The entirety of everything, the death sentence upon it, the height of the law is in the keeping of the whole law. He went away sad because he realized he had a God higher than God. His trust was in money, not in God. Amen? All right. So, um, <sighs> and Jesus looked round about, saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He went away sad, verse 22, because he had great possessions. All right? Two different words, but meaning the same thing. Anything that you have, the one about possessions is actually property and estate. The other one of riches, anything with value. He put his trust in them. He said, and the disciples were astonished at the words, but Jesus answered them and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? Say trust. In other words, my faith was in money and not in God. Money was my source. God was not my source in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Jesus has got nothing against being rich. What he's saying here is when you start to put your trust and mammon becomes your God, you have a problem and you need to change your focus. They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then shall be saved? And Jesus looking upon them, with, uh, 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 he said, with men it is impossible. But not with God, for with God all things are possible. Just say that after me. Say, with God, all things, all things are possible. Okay. Then Peter began to say to him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered him, said, Very I say unto you, there is no man that have left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecution in the world, and to, uh, uh, in the world to come eternal life. Please notice that Jesus repeats the, the, the list to them of what they had left. But he leaves out wives. My wife will explain that to you if you don't understand. The reason Jesus didn't include hundredfold wives, as Albie would tell you, you can't handle one. How can you handle a hundred? Okay. Okay. So, quickly and efficiently, let's do this. Can money be spiritual? Okay. Don't answer. It's not a trick question, but don't answer. Listen to what I've got to say. A good person or a bad person versus each other. In the hands of whoever holds it, money takes on that personality and that character. So money has no personality. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of. 
Okay? So, if you have money in your hand, it's going to take on the nature and the character and the motive of the one that's holding it. So think about an evil bad man who has lots of money, and the money that he has, he's spending on drugs and then distributing them to other people. The effect of his evilness, the effect of his badness, will be transported from the seed that's in his hand, It will become a tree bearing fruit and it will go further and further continuing to be bad by the badness that he started. All truth is parallel. If a good man takes a good seed and sows that good seed, let us say, into the kingdom... And somebody by the sending of a missionary gets saved. And through that salvation, he goes home, runs into his parents' house and said, I got saved today. I met Jesus and Jesus' love has changed me forever. Is there anybody present that has had that experience? That somebody preached a word somewhere and you heard that word and that enabled you to become a child of God. I think there should have been more hands. Because the word that went out, somebody sent that person, somebody enabled that person to get there. I am a result of that. I got saved, went home, preached the message to my parents, to my brothers and my sisters who were unsaved. They got saved. Today in our household, there are very, very few people in the entire family going backwards and forwards in generations that aren't saved today. The production of that seed out of a good man's hand became a multiplication of a great tree that grew up and is still producing fruit after its kind even to this day. What? Just jumping quickly and as I close, we go to Luke 18 and we find an unjust steward. What is a steward? A steward is a manager who has the signing off ability to do things in the state or in the estate of his master. A steward does things like rewrite bills and does things. And in the story, Jesus is not commending the unjustness of the steward or his master, but showing the difference between what one system would do in the below realm and what the other system will do in the above realm. And Jesus, pointing it out to them, says, if you have been faithful in someone else's, how can you, if you have been unfaithful in that, be entrusted with the true Riches. And Sean might touch on it in his message this morning. But here's the thing. Is that if I cannot be trusted with money, how can God entrust to me the things that are really valuable in the Word and in people? Because if I cannot be trusted in, with money, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start preaching the word for the gain of money. I'm going to start manipulating people to give... Oh, you, oh, it's okay. You're in another church completely. But guys, we travel the world. We see things. We hear things. We experience things. Not all pastors have got good motives. I'm just saying. Hmm. The thing is, if you understand the way it works and God sees that your heart is souls, if God sees you really want to see the nation saved, you're not going to take that money and use it for something else, but use it for the betterment of the kingdom. Here's what I want to tell you. Then he's going to entrust the souls that are going to come in their hordes and in their mount to you because he knows you're not going to be sidetracked by money. Amen? Hallelujah. You're quiet this morning, but I want to challenge you as we go towards 2020's prophetic word. We don't challenge you every week. We don't stretch you every week. Every week we say, what you have, 
give according to what is in your heart. We say to you every, more, every week, God loves a cheerful giver. But I want to make a challenge to you in your faith this morning, and I want to say, see if the spirituality of money will not become a reality to you, because in the hands of a spiritual man and woman, you're very quiet right now, but in the hands of a man and woman that is spiritual, the money that you give becomes very, very spiritual. Amen. May you be blessed by that. So why do we take some time with offering? And I know we say this often, but for those who are new and those who are even just as a reminder, is we're not trying to get something from you. We're not trying to talk you so, so psyched up that you sow because then you will never get a harvest on your seed because then you are not sowing out of faith. You are sowing out of emotion. Faith is a decision that's based not on emotional thing. It's based on what you have decided in your heart, what God has placed on your heart to sow and to tithe. You know, it's, we've got to understand tithing is a principle in the Word. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's a principle. And the principle is blessed. When you tithe, you're blessed. That's why as church, we tithe too. We sow into others and we tithe as well. Personally, we tithe. As a church, we tithe. That's our principle. So, Grace didn't take tithing away, it just took the curse away. So that if you don't tithe, you don't get cursed. But when you do tithe and you do so, you are blessed. Oh, yeah. I thought we would be excited about that. I'm excited that if there is a moment where I can't give, I don't have the devil and the, and the world and God and everybody angry with me. Because we have moments that we can't give, right? You know, I... I really hate it, and I really do, uh, do um, hate this. Do I need to drop it down, Nathaniel? Like this. Drop the mic. <laughs> That's a drop test. Um, when I, I've got a bag of, of small change and things with me in the car, so whenever I go in, uh, to car guards, if I don't have, I really feel so bad because I love to give. I just love giving. I'll stop and I'll say, listen, brother, I'm so sorry. I don't just drive away like, whoo, <laughs> sneaked one out. Yeah, I didn't have to give. No, I, I'm, I stop and I explain. I say, listen, I'm sorry I can't give to you today because I hate not giving. I don't care where you're at. I want to be generous in everything I do. So at that very point, he has the same thing. We have moments that we cannot give. So the curse has been taken away. So that in that moment, I don't have that weight over me that now because I don't give, I'm cursed. The curse has been taken away, but the blessing was never taken away. So that when I sow and when I give, I'm always blessed. I am blessed. That's why I can be a blessing. Now, this scripture in this says, yeah, let's read verse 22. While the earth remains, what's the first part? Seed time and harvest. Wow. That's the only thing I can take part on. Because cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. The others I can't do anything about. Even though I wanted summer all the time. I need to move to a country that's next to the equator so I can just have summer all the time. We can move to Ghana. Summer all the time. That's why, that's why Nathaniel and Doreen walked all the way to Africa, Achami, South Africa, to get away from summer. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the context is that the only thing I can partake in is to sow and reap. Then when I sow, I will have a harvest. I'm saying that again. When I sow, I have a harvest. And if I've settled my mind on that, it says, as long as the earth remains, is the earth still here? Then there'll be seed time and harvest. You see, I, I made up my mind a long time ago that I count everything as seed. Even if the devil steals it. Everything is seed. Who's lost some stuff before? Did you count it as seed? If you count it as theft, it's loss. If you count it as seed... It's harvest. Everything should be a seed. 
everything like, ah, devil. You know, God is love and the devil is stupid. God doesn't have love. God is love. The devil doesn't have stupid moments. He's always stupid. So even when he steals from you, he's so stupid, he's just created a harvest for you. Oh. He's just created a harvest for you. Whatever he takes, you do not count it as theft. Count it as seed. Because he's always, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. It might leave my hand, but it will never, ever leave my life. The context of that is very much in the place of the, whatever I give unto God, I can have a harvest. I don't care what happens to that seed. I call the soil what it's supposed to be. Let me explain. When he says the, seed, the sower goes out to sow, and he sows seed where it falls, and which ground it falls. So with the expectation of a harvest, the soil will always be good soil. I want to say it again. The expectation of a harvest will always produce a harvest and will make the soil good. So some, that person who stole from you will become good soil because I call forth a harvest. I even shift their life. You know, uh, there's been some moments where people have come in here and, and stolen stuff out of people's bags. We watch for your bag, but please watch your own bag too. We try and help as far as possible. But we've had those moments and we walk in like, what? This was in the church. And we're like, ah, ah. Now we have a legal right to call them good soil. Father, we call a harvest upon everything that was stolen. We call it as seed. What did we just do? We called something in that person's life that was not there before. Now they become good soil. Oh, do you realize the power of what you have, what you decide with your finest? Dave said it last week. What does money become in your hand? Spiritual, because you are a spiritual person. Money in the drug dealer's hand is drug money. Money in the gambler's hand is gambling money. What's money in your hand? Spiritual money. It might leave my hand, but it will never, ever leave my life. The heart of this ministry is a currency that flows. We have moments where we can give a lot and we have moments where we give very little because of the flow of fun funds, but we always keep the channel open. That board up there isn't just a nice little board. It's the truth of who we are. Our desire is to give more unto more ministries than ever before, to help other ministries, establish other ministries, to give. We have given so much to others before, but we still keep on giving because the heart of this ministry is to keep on giving. But we need to look after the house first. We need to make sure that everything is good here too. Things cost money. Let me explain. That wall is beautiful, right? It cost us 4,000 rand to paint. It's not just a few hundred bucks. It's the paint. It's the scaffolding. It's the painters. It's everything that goes into it. And you think, sure, why, did you, why didn't you just leave it white? No, because we wanted it black. Because it creates a better atmosphere. It helps us with our lighting. There are various aspects of that. And sometimes we just want to make it look nice. That's why you put makeup on. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm so sorry. It slipped out. Now I'm blushing, right? Yeah. Blut Roy. Blut Roy. But most women, if you say, hey, can we go? No, 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 I haven't put on my makeup yet. Right, ladies? Some men too. Anyway, okay. So from the basis of that, is that everything, the Peter, you guys can come up. Every little bit of it, that baptismal pool that we've created there, it's almost 10,000 rand to make that so that we could have baptisms in here. Things cost money. So we've got to make sure that our house is taken care of first, our salaries, our playbook. We don't just do this for the love of it. I, we love what we do, but we also need to live. The Bible says do, that those who breach the gospel, let them live off the gospel. So what we do is we've also got to live. So that we can focus on being here and doing what we do. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sorry about the makeup joke, ladies. But you look good with or without your makeup. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. It's too late. I love you. 
Love you all. Would you please stand with me? Take out your wallet. We're going to pray over it. Your card. You can use SnapScan. You can use the card facilities. I really want to encourage you to. Uh, SnapScan is fantastic. It's really just a wonderful thing to use. It's an easy way to use it. Uh, find out how to download the app. You can use the SnapScan. You walk right up. You snap it. You can pay that way. It's, the reason why we use SnapScan as well is we don't have too many bank costs with that. So we don't lose too much on the machines or the stuff. And we want to make it really easy. So if you can get that, please go for it. Get yourself SnapScan and you can do that as well. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to joke about the chip. I had some people almost kill me the other day. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for every seed that's about to be sown. I thank you for a blessed house. I thank you for blessed people. I thank you that this church is blessed. We're blessing nations. We're turning the world upside down. Your businesses are blessed. People are blessed. Increase. May this year end on a high, Lord. I thank you for such wonderful bonuses that are going to come in. Things that are going to break through, Lord. That we'll end this year on more than enough in our lives, Father God. We thank you. We're blessed because we're a blessing unto others, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. You can come and sow. Bless you guys. Yes, Lord. I would have been lost without your love. I would have been lost without your grace. I would have been lost so deep in the miry clay. I would have been lost without your love. I would have been lost. Morning. Yeah. It's such an awesome morning. I really believe God wants to do something really special today, um, as in every day. But um, yeah, it's been really an awesome time. So on Wednesday night, how many of you come through on a Wednesday night to the prayer, the fasting and prayer day? Even if you couldn't fast, you're also welcome at the prayer night. And so we've been praying for a couple of weeks, and it has been absolutely off the charts. It's been awesome, to use some of Sean's words. And um, as the meeting was coming to an end, I was looking for a scripture about laughter. I, I felt really that there would be some sort of joy and some sort of laughter in the house. And I had them in my back of my mind, I had laughter, and I was looking for the scripture on laughter, but I also had this scripture. So go with me to Psalm 126 quickly, because I think you all need a prophetic word this morning, or do you, or don't you, or what? Are you with me? You want a word this morning? Oh, this, to those three guys over there, you can have the word. The rest of you, a little bit slow this morning. <laughs> Hey, isn't it awesome that the Bible says that when one sinner comes to know God, that there's a party in heaven? So if Sean was like getting a little bit, you know, excited this morning about the baptism, understand he was joining with the angels in, 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 in rejoicing for, was it four? Four people. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome names written down. In heaven, we used to, in the denomination I came from, um, when you were baptized, at the end of the baptism service, they had a little little jingle they used to play, <laughs> little chorus that we used to sing. Um, There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. When the white robes angels tell the story, a sinner has come home. And that was sung every baptismal service. So, yeah, there was a party going on in heaven this morning that we were part of. Amen. All right, so you guys are far too quiet for somebody, somebody that's in joy, joyful presence this morning. Amen. Psalm 126 was what I heard in my head. And when I asked somebody to read it to me as we were finishing off the prayer meeting, and it was really... Uh, powerful, victorious prayer meeting, 
When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed, says the King James. The, the um, Amplified says, When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. It seemed so unreal. Have you ever said to somebody, I felt it was too good to be true. I felt like I was dreaming. You ever felt like that? See, somebody pinched me. This is too good. I, I feel like I'm dreaming. These people's captivity changed so quickly. Their dark circumstances turned to a light circumstance so quickly. It said they felt like they were dreaming. Okay? Are you with me? And then, ha ha. Say ha ha. Say hee hee. Say hoo hoo hoo. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And that's where the laughter came in. So God gave me the right scripture. I just didn't know verse 2 and 3 was filled with joy and gladness and laughing. Amen. So today I want to say to you that your circumstances are about to change drastically. And when they do change, they're going to change that suddenly that you're going to feel like you're dreaming. Okay? And that's when you're going to start being joyful. Listen, I, I have tried sad. Believe me, I have tried sad and I have tried glad. And glad is better than sad. Hallelujah. So I think it's time for you to look on the brighter side of life, start smiling and say, God, this is time for a breakthrough. And God's about to do... And if you look at the choruses and the words and the stuff we sang this morning, it's about His faithfulness. It is about His true sticking to you like closer than a brother. God stays faithful. God stays close. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Those are the things. Okay, so... Um, Luke 12, quickly, and I'm going to be very, very quick, but I think it's a very um, apt scripture. I think in line with a bunch of things that are going on, I think it's a very apt scripture. Luke 12, verse 16, starts like this, And he spake a miracle, uh, uh, miracle. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What should I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Say, not enough room. And he said, this will I do. I will, pull, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, eh, have you ever had a meeting with your soul? Soul. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, Abdul. Oh, sorry, that's not in your translation. It's in mine. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So there is a statement made here, which I'm going to focus on for a few minutes, which says, rich towards God. The opposite to that statement would be rich towards self or rich towards worldly things or rich towards something that is not rich towards God. The first thing I want you to see, first principle, is that this man built a dam wall. There is a river and there is a dam. That kind of dam. He built a wall that stopped and hindered the flow. He gathered the stuff to himself and was not reached towards God, the kingdom, in flowing. First thing, okay? So he 
closed up the flow. He closed up what he had and said, this is mine. And I am going to find point number two, my security in the things that I have. Say security. I'm not saying that pension funds are not on. I'm not saying that savings are not on. I'm not saying one should not do those things. I'm saying it's where you put your trust. It's where you put your vertrouwen. God wants to be your source, but He also wants to be your security. All right? And so this man put his security in what he had, the things that he could hold on to. And Jesus said to him, you can take nothing with you in his story because you came in naked. He didn't say this. This is my sermon. So I can preach it the way I want to. You're going to leave naked. You see, years ago I was in a small service in a small town in, in Darling, and I stood up and I said, I was preaching in this big house with 30 or 40 people, and I said to them, tell me who of you have ever seen a hearse with a fenced trailer pulled behind it? Unfortunately for me, that had worked for many years, and the explanation, the scenario people understood, you can't take it with you. But unfortunately for me, there was a man who was a little bit under the influence, who was sitting in the service, and when I asked who had ever seen a hearse with a fenced trailer, he stuck his hand up in the middle of my sermon and said, I did, this morning. And then went on to explain that, the hearse in Darling travels with a fenced trailer behind it on the way to the graveyard. So bang went all of my doctrine. I couldn't preach that anymore. No. Anyway, so here was the thing is that, and then I had a funeral two weeks later in Darling and lo and behold, as I'm standing at the grave, along rolls the hearse with a trailer behind it with all the goodies that they used to put the coffin in the ground. And I said, there goes my sermon. But you understand what I'm trying to say to you. You came in naked, you leave naked, you can take nothing with you. Okay, so jumping back to the Bible, the first three verses before this story is told, before Jesus finds it necessary to tell this parable, someone out of the crowd calls out, sounds like certain places in Cape Town, when people die, people fight, even at the graveside about inheritance. Not here, somewhere else in another world. Okay. You want to hear some stories? I can tell you some stories, okay, about inheritances and people fighting. And here's a typical example right in the Bible. Here is this man. Tell my brother to divide the goods with me. He's calling Jesus to settle a, a will and testament issue, an inheritance issue, right there in public. And Jesus turns around and says to him, man, who put me as judge or divider over you? And then he tells this story about the man with the goods, with the bonds. And then the next 10 verses after the end of the story, he says to us, he says, but don't worry about what you will wear or what you will eat. He says, because the mussies, the little birds, don't sow, don't reap, don't gather into barns, but your heavenly Father takes care of of them also the lilies are better dressed than solomon and so the whole story the whole package if you go the three verses before the parable and then afterwards you have a great story you have a great teaching you have a great direction to understand that jesus is saying you need stuff to survive but the thing that you need more than this stuff is your relationship with heaven Seek first the kingdom and, its right, and, and your righteousness and all the other things will be added on to you. So I'm walking in um, pick and pay and I'm going down the aisle and I'm thinking about quite haphazardly, but it happened to be, I'm thinking about some financial situation. And as I turn the corner to go and get People say, I mustn't preach about my cat. Okay, but anyway, I turned the corner into the aisle where the pet food is to go and fetch some food for my cat. Lo and behold, in the pet food aisle, in Somerset West Mall, 
in the Pekin Pei, there are some mossies that live right there. And they fly around all inside the supermarket. And as I turn the corner, the whole family is sitting looking at me in the aisle going, I don't believe that's coincidence. I don't believe that's happenstance. I believe God was talking to me like he's talked to me so many times before from a little Morsi's point of view, saying to me, look at the birds. Do you think I can't take care of you? Hallelujah. You know that when you go through sometimes, maybe it'll be wise to have a look when you go through sometimes of a little bit, you know, where the, where the finances and the budget are a little bit stiff. You see how many times God actually provides for you for a daily meal without you even asking. You're like, my wallet's empty and I don't have anything, and then somebody invites you out for a meal. You, you don't have anything, and then somebody drops something off at your, at your doorstep, and that which you thought wasn't provided for was provided for. Say this with me. Say this with me. God can take care of me better than I can take care of myself. Say, I believe it. I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready this morning?